Are you a home educator starting Latin and feeling overwhelmed? Are you a Latin teacher looking for new inspiration and ideas? Or are you a casual learner beginning your journey into ancient languages? If so, this podcast is for you. In each episode, language teachers and experts come together to share their knowledge and experience with you in an accessible, fun, and inspirational format. We'll break it all down for you, from teaching tips, to choosing a curriculum, to staying motivated and keeping it fun. We hope this podcast helps you become the best undead language learner you can be, wherever you are on your journey. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Undead Languages for Living Brains, where we attempt to unpack the mysteries of ancient languages and the proper teaching of said ancient languages. I am Annie Phillips, a PhD candidate with Dr. Kirsten Jaqua. Hello. We are just two nerds who are very passionate about teaching and passionate about ancient languages, and we have fun. So, yeah, and it's been a while since we've recorded an episode, but I've been, I've dropped the episodes that we recorded earlier this summer. Since then, we have been getting up to some interesting things, so I want to hear from you. What have you been up to? I've been working on my teaching style. I'm currently teaching eighth grade Latin, which is an adjustment for me. There's a lot of different methods that you bring in when you're teaching this age level, so it's a big learning curve for me, and it's very interesting. We're learning how to play games in the classroom in a very structured and constructive manner. Nice. So it's it's definitely, for those of you who may be wondering, I've been teaching for seven years now, and this is still a big adjustment. So whatever age level you're starting to teach or whatever lesson you're starting to teach, the learning curve is major. So patience with yourself yeah. is a great thing. Every age group has its own challenges. Oh, yes. Very, very unique. There's a lot of, of delights. My favorite thing so far has been that as opposed to the college level and upper high school level, there's a certain enthusiasm that comes with this age level. Yeah. My Most of my students, not all, but most of them love reciting the poetry. They are just super excited for that. Oh, that's cool. They were very upset with me for not letting them go twice because I had to get through the whole class. So they, they just love that and wanted to recite it in front of the whole school. They were so enthusiastic about it. That I've never gotten with the college class. Yeah, so college that's been delightful. Conscious. It's honestly, it's quite delightful, that part. But there's also the managing a classroom of that age is a very different beast to tackle than college classrooms. Yeah. No, I, I am currently working with some seven and eight-year-olds, just starting them out on a little bit of Latin. So I've, uh, we had our first lesson this last week, and I just sort of I decided what we're going to learn first, we're going to learn hello, goodbye, you know, like salve magistra. And I taught them a few commands that are very like motion centered commands. The reason for that being I can use those to, you know, get them moving their bodies around and doing something physical, but also that listening element as well. So they're connecting their brains and their bodies. 
and then I can kind of interrupt if I need to and just be like, okay, stand up, sit down, and like refocus them a little bit. So with this age group, we do this at the school. Would you be able to play Magistra Dixit? It's like Simon says. Yes. That's... You could do, we have that and we have a bunch of commands. So it'll be Magistra Dixit, Pulsata Kailum, like punch the sky. Or oh, Magistra Dixit, Salite, jump. Magistra Dixit, Kurite, and then they run in place. Magistra Dixit, Concidite. Magistra Dixit, Surgite. And then when they don't follow the instructions, they have to sit down until you're down to the last kids. Oh, that, yeah, that would actually be, yeah, I'm kind of hoping to work up to that. Eventually. Yeah. This, this, this week we just did like, you know, sedate, state, sit down, stand up, but I will have them do, you know, we'll, we'll kind of, I only have 10 minutes at most right now, mm. just because we're also fitting this into other subjects. So um but yeah i'm kind of hoping to build up a little bit of a word bank and it's you know it's supposed yeah. to stay fun it's a great way to yeah the we call it um tpr i think total physical uh what's it called recall something like i have to check i'm forgetting but it's tpr is something we incorporate especially with the younger ages like you said in like connecting it with their body is a really great way for them to remember it well yeah, yeah, and that's that's kind of the the angle that I've I've decided to go with for this. So yeah, I'm I'm excited. I think it's it's gonna be fun. I mean, there's always a little bit of chaos, but and then I'll I'll end up experiencing the opposite end of the spectrum in another couple of weeks when I start working with the, uh, the college students, and I have no idea how that's gonna go yet. So. We'll see. Classroom management is not really a big problem with college. Yeah, there's just different challenges. Like, okay, what do you what do you do if they're you know? I mean, I I expect that if you are taking college Latin at a place like UCSB, you're doing it because you're interested and not because you have to. So mm -hmm. I I kind of anticipate that they'll maybe care a little bit more because you know, get ready for the attrition rate. At the beginning, yes. you'll start with a bigger class, and then there will be the kids who say, "Oh, this is all in Latin. I thought it was Roman literature." And oh, yeah, it it always happens. Yeah, just well, positivity, we'll positivity. You know, I got one of them to stay, and they enjoyed it. So yeah, one of never know. Yeah, I think yeah, I have a, a couple of them that I think are former former students from our myth Ooh. class. So that should be fun. Um, yeah, no, it'll be nice. All right, so today we're going to discuss curricula, and let's hope it's not a super dry episode. Eh. Do you ever watch the Animaniacs when you were a kid? <laughs> I don't think I did. I think oh, I missed that there one. There was this one episode where Yako lists every country in the world, and it's really funny and chaotic, and I was kind of trying to fit the names of all the different Latin textbooks into the, the country's jingle, and it didn't work very well, but there are a lot of latin Wait. textbooks out this there. will not be an exhaustive list yeah this is not an exhaustive list this is kind of the best ones the ones that we're the most familiar with that are most commonly used and right now my kind of specialty is i've been looking a lot at the ones for young kids um and ones that i've been recommending to people so um yeah we'll talk about them by age group so you know if you're looking at starting you know, your eight-year-olds or whatever in, uh, you know, like the, like 
maybe six to 12 range. We'll talk about that group first and then like the middle school group and then high school and college. That said, there are some elements that I want to mention regarding textbooks that tend to be most important when you're yes. deciding what textbook to choose. So age will come to as we list them because that's obviously a big factor. Yeah. If you're teaching, what age group you're teaching will affect what you choose. But in addition to that, what speed what speed does the textbook introduce material at? Yeah. This ending with a preposition, very bad linguistic choice. <laughs> so what speed do you introduce the materials? What supplements exist for that textbook? So some textbooks, some Latin textbooks are really old and it's really just the textbook. That's mm -hmm. it. Other textbooks come with a workbook, with a teacher's guide. There's all sorts of supplements that come with them. So you may want to look into that. Supplements can also be an online component. So there are some textbooks, one that's not in our list that we're not going to go into exhaustively though, is Subarani. That's a relatively new Latin textbook and it's extremely digital. So if you want a Latin textbook that has a lot of digital components and online elements, Subarani is one. In addition, I take into consideration the aesthetic of the textbook. How well is it laid out? How pleasant yeah. is it to look at? This is especially important for younger ages. Yes. If, you, if you hand a younger age a textbook that's really dense, that's kind of terrifying to them. So a, a textbook that has a friendly layout that's open with big text, that has illustrations, that has pictures in the side to help you pick up on what... The Latin's talking about that really reinforces the learning. Yes. So aesthetic can be really important. And the last one that's really important with Latin, in my opinion, is the style in which the book introduces the material. So we talked in a previous episode about grammar translation versus comprehensible input as different styles. So we have textbooks that do a variety of those things. In addition to style, whether it's more grammar focused or more comprehensible input, more sort of narrative and fluid, somewhat semi-immersion style, some of them will have a lot of narrative in them. So some, some of the Latin textbooks, and we'll go through this, have a story that's carried throughout. So they'll introduce characters. And then after that first chapter, those characters carry on through the entire Latin textbook, which is really great for kids. Yeah. They love to get to know the characters. Um, we'll talk more about this, but in Lingua Latina, there are different boys. One of them's, you know, lazy. One of them's very industrious and loves school. One of them's always getting in trouble. Those kind of narratives are great for kids to keep them focused and to keep them excited. Other Latin textbooks have stories, but they have short stories that are not connected. So some of them will have short stories that are paraphrased versions of original ancient Latin texts that the kids can read. And some of those are really fun too. And others have quote unquote, real Latin. They try to focus on bringing in um, original Latin texts as fast as possible to introduce you to them. Yes. So that's another element of style in addition to whether it's more comprehensible input or grammary is also how they incorporate Latin narrative because the ultimate goal most of the time, if you're gonna learn to read Latin is to be able to read original Latin. So that can be really important depending on where you wanna get your learner or yourself. Yeah, and I, I like a method that 
the the uh the more I learn. I like a method that gets you more used to reading fluently. Be, I mean, you do need to be able to parse the grammar, and but I, I'm kind of starting to think that you know we need to hold the two in balance a little bit more because you know, and we talked about this in the previous episode, so you know, give that a listen. You kind of if you focus too heavily on one or the other, there are kind of issues associated yeah. with that. And like the grammar translation, you can very easily fall into you know, treating every sentence like a math problem. And then you're like, you know, maybe you're translating it super literally, but then it's just kind of incomprehensible. So mm-hmm. you know, those are, you know, that that's, yep. we're kind of looking at all of these different textbooks through that lens. And this is exactly the problem I see with grammar translation, students will translate a sentence into English that makes absolutely no sense. And then they will have no idea why they're not correct because they see it like a math problem. They're interpreting each element instead of thinking of it as a cohesive whole that actually has a logical reason behind it. Or Yeah, which uh, that's, a, that's an episode I would like to do yes. at some point in the future where we just talk about translation as an abstract idea and what what's going on there and i think that would be a really interesting one because it's an art there's it's and in art. addition translate how to help and this will be something the more we both get into our different teaching roles uh what we have done in the past and what we are doing now to ask ourselves what are the common problems that a student encounters when they're learning to translate yeah and how do you help them yeah but- so i think that's kind of one of the unique things about studying classics is that you do you do become much, much more aware of translation as an abstract concept, uh, more so than I think you are in a situation where you're kind of learning more conversationally. You're not necessarily thinking about how to translate ideas from one language and one context to another in quite the same way. Yep. So, yeah, anyway, before going too far afield in that, I think um, it could. Funny try not to have a two hour long episode. <laughs> Oh, um, <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm going to start, I guess, with the kind of early age, early age ones. So I've gotten the most questions recently about, you know, at, you know, parents that have, you know, six-year-olds, eight-year-olds and you know, looking for, you know, what kinds of, what textbooks should I get? Uh, and kind of for the younger ages, I've recommended Minimus Mouse, which I really like. It's very cute. It's, it's kind of, it doesn't seem to have a very like big overarching narrative, but it has lots of uh, like, you know, narratives about this mouse and the sort of little adventures that he gets into. The illustrations are adorable. Um, And it's, it's got a little bit more of a, you know, sort of a comprehensible input style. So it's not really hitting the grammar super hard. Uh, it's, you know, focusing on just kind of learning words, learning how the words relate to each other, but in a way that I think reaches younger kids really well. Um, and I think what's good about it is it also has, there's a lot of resources online. Um, I think one of my favorite online resources that it has is it has this little glossary, with, so it has a ton of Latin words and just illustrations, so it doesn't give you the English on the same page it gives you a picture um, which i think is kind of fun and that's something you can do with little kids that they will enjoy is you know you know what does this latin word mean and we'll look at the picture you know so it's kind of getting that information in there in a different way so yeah and this 
The Minimus Mouse is kind of a subsidiary of what's called the Primary Latin Project, and I'll have links to all of the things that we're talking about. I will attach a document with all of this in links and show notes and stuff. Um, so the uh, Primary Latin Project is focused on getting more Latin into elementary schools. So they do have, they have things like grants that you can apply for, but, um, you know, they have funding, they have lots of resources, and they also, they use Minimus Mouse as their elementary school curriculum. So I've recommended that to uh, a few different families recently, um, and I, I think it seems to work really well, and I, I didn't use it specifically when I was teaching kindergarten, kindergarten Latin in college. But I did a similar kind of approach where we just did, I taught them some commands like stand up, sit down. We did animals, we did body parts, we did colors, and they loved it. They really liked it. So um, I think that kind of, I think that works well for that age group. Um, do you have any? For sure. I don't know a lot about Minimus Mouse. I haven't taught that age group very often. I did a Latin camp once with some kids for that, and uh, illustrations are definitely a big hit. Yeah, really I don't know if cute. Minimus does this or allows it, but one of the I taught some third graders, I believe, fairly young, and their favorite thing to do was to illustrate. I would give them words that we'd learned, and then they would draw pictures of them, and they oh, love yeah. that. Yeah, no, that's 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 really good. Not something I'm kind of hoping to do later <clears throat> with my current little group of eight year olds. Um, and then the other kind of oriented towards the same age group as um, there's Latin for kids. So this one is a little bit more grammar heavy, a little bit more workbooky, if you're into that sort of thing. So it's Latin for kids by Dr. Aaron Larson and Dr. Christopher Perrin. Uh, and it is published by Classical Academic Press in uh, 2003. So it's been around for a while and it's 2003 <laughs> yeah that, that yeah that was a long time ago it was like almost 20 wait seriously 20 years ago um yeah <laughs> yeah i mean because i'm looking at it and like it seems kind of new to me because i grew up with older textbooks than that it kind of is because a lot of that latin textbooks are really old yeah i mean wheelox is really old um but we'll get into that in a moment but what i like about it is it's um, it's kind of tried and true and they've expanded it a lot. So, I mean, if you have the budget, you can buy the textbook, you can like uh, the, the kids textbook, you can buy, there's a teacher's guide. And I think what's really nice about this one in particular is it really handholds the parent or the teacher through mm -hmm. everything. So the teacher's edition has all the answers in it. And the teacher's edition explains things and kind of helps you know how to explain things to your students. Um, so that's kind of nice. And like I said, it's it's it focuses a little more heavily on grammar and it has a lot of like, you know, workbooks. It has like little kind of fill in the blank or matching games in the uh, at least in the uh, the first the first book. Um, it has nice illustrations, really nice illustrations, actually, uh, that I like a lot. And it has kind of little historical blurbs throughout, which are also very interesting. Um, it doesn't really have an overall narrative. 
So there's not, you know, you're not necessarily like learning more about a character through the whole book like you are with Lingua Latina. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think the main advantage of this, is, like I said, is sort of the hand holding for the parent or the teacher. Um, it's just, you know, the, the main, I think the probably the main drawback for that is just the whole package is pretty expensive. Um, but, you know, if you're really committed to doing Latin in your homeschool or uh, in a kind of new Latin program, I think that would be a really good way to go. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's what I think about that. And then just like the last one I'll mention here briefly, there's another one called Song School Latin. And it's by uh, Amy Wren. It's also published by Classical Academic Press, and uh, that came out in 2008. Um, and that one is it's songs and kind of vocabulary. So it's a little bit more kind of that comprehensible input. Um, and it also has like a teacher's guide in there for you as well. And it's kind of it's just it self describes as gentle, um, which is kind of uh, kind of funny so it's not supposed to be super intense or super strict or overly formalized um so i've kind of taken some inspiration from that and it has a cd in the back with some like, you know songs if you want to use that um and it does have a little bit of a workbook component if you want to have that in there as well um, but if you really want to hit the grammar i wouldn't use this as your main source so. can't say that I would recommend strongly to hit the grammar really hard with kids that age, though. No, yeah, because Latin for children kind of does, like, it, it does more explanation of how the verbs work off the bat. Yeah. So if I were going to have any, like, major umbrage with this, it kind of, it introduces some interesting things up front. Like, it, it, it wants you to memorize the four principal, four, four, four principal parts, well, that's really hard to say. <laughs> more principal parts in the first chapter and then it kind of tries to explain all of these different parts i think a little sooner than you have to um I, it kind of gives you a little bit more information than i think you need uh in the beginning but you know that's you know and it can feel overwhelming so you know especially for a young kid so that's you know but i don't i don't i don't think that's a serious drawback per se um yeah so yeah and then those are the young ones those yeah, are the so really that's young for ones. yeah young kids and again you <clears throat> want stuff that you know will help hand hold you through the process personally i think these are kind of the best options that are out there right now so now i guess we'll kind of move into like middle school uh we'll talk about that so why don't you start this is something I have been doing lately at my current institution, we use lingua latina per se illustrata, and we're in book one, familia romana. That's a lot of Latin words if you're on this podcast and new to Latin. Which is That's ling point. Yes, lingua latina is the Latin language, and then per se illustrata is illustrated through itself, I guess, technically. Yeah. So it's through, the book is illustrated all the way throughout. There are you illustrations. Learn Latin by using Latin. Yep. And it's illustrated all the way throughout. There are pictures on every page. Not a single page doesn't have pictures. Usually they're in the margins and it's great because the text introduces vocabulary as you go. There's 
actually no English in lingua latina at all, which sounds daunting, but it's designed, it's designed to be a self-guided reader for adult readers. We use it with middle school because it is not a self-guided reader the way we use it. We work through it with the students. Right. And in the margins, there are pictures. So if you're reading about a story about a ship, there'll be a little picture of a wave and then they'll have the word for wave underneath. There'll be a picture of a ship and the word for ship underneath. And then stuff that'll show opposites on the side to help you guide along. You already know the word for, say, pulcare, which is beautiful. And then it'll say pulcare, contrarium, turpis. And they're like, now you know the word for ugly. So it really guides you through along the side. Uh, we use it for middle school. Not everyone does. Definitely not everyone does. Yeah. It's lingua latina is heavily comprehensible input based it's very much an immersion it's very adventurous yes it's adventurous the whole story you follow a family the this little roman family of julius and his wife emilia and their three kids trying to remember marcus quintus and julia i think and then they have servants or slaves and one of them runs away and goes on an adventure sailing on the sea. And there's all sorts of stories that are involved in that. It's the, the first chapter the kids get a kick out of. We have sixth graders doing the first chapter and it's all about the three siblings hitting each other. It's oh, nice. very interesting. Like the kids all love it. You in middle school. Like, yes, all the kids. So it's uh, Marcus Pulsat Juliam. Juliam Plorat. Julia cries. And then his mom comes and Julia says, Marcus Pulsat me. And their whole story is kids get a kick out of it. It's pretty funny. They And then they all know the word for Pulsat, which is both wonderful and terrible. Yeah. <laughs> so we, yeah, we do that. Um, Lingua Latina works for that age. I would say it also works for high school or up. I've never seen someone use it in college. I would be fascinated to see how that would go. Yeah, I feel like in college that would, I, I think the students would would have, would would take some umbrage with that just because yeah. they tend to be, once you hit the certain threshold of adulthood, you kind of want to have all the information sort of presented to you. They're like, you know, explain this to me. And you know, like, I've taught enough adults a number of different subjects where I'm like, you have to be prepared for the, you know, they want you to explain everything. So they don't, you know, oh, make no mistakes. So do the middle schoolers. They just don't know the right questions to ask all the time. No, and they're like, that's a little easier to navigate. And like, okay, I want you to explain to me how every single verb conjugation works. I'm like, I can't do that because yes there's a lot of them. Yes and no, because the middle schoolers have just as many questions. They're just different questions. Like, why am I sitting here? And why is that paper that color? And why did your print your presenter turn off? And <laughs> I'm like, this is not related to Latin. Ask me Latin questions. Yep. The other day I had so many non-Latin questions that I congratulated the first student who asked an actual Latin question and everyone clapped. <laughs> nice. It's a, it's an adventure. Oh yeah, I I believe it. I didn't I did not grow up with uh lingua latina at all. So I didn't know about that one in t- until college. The one that I grew up with was Wheelocks. Yes. So um, I'm. We can both speak to Wheelock as we both used it quite a bit. Wheelocks is the sort of tried and true stalwart, you know, 
can't go too far wrong using wheelocks it's it's not very modernized in nope. a sense they they they, they try like it, it we're up to what like the seventh edition or something looking at my yeah right now and it's got more supplements now which is yeah. great yeah it's got definitely got more um yeah there's more components to it definitely and they've kind of updated the format and fixed you know a lot of kind of oddities about the text um, Relox it, is very grammar translation to begin yes. with, since that's one of our big buzzwords on this podcast. Got to know the difference between grammar translation and comprehensible input. That's the one thing you're going to come away from demystifying Latin and Greek with. Yes. <laughs> Relox is very grammar translation, which means you get a lot of charts of the different declensions and conjugations. There's a lot of in English, explanation of how the grammar works, and each chapter has a very dedicated teaching this grammar concept section. Yeah. I think the biggest challenge about Wheelocks at times is um, it does give you a lot of the information <clears throat> up front, but it does wait a long time to introduce certain things. Um, mm -hmm. So, like for example, you get sum, uh, you know the you know to be verb. You get that a lot later, and that tends to be one of the verbs that you kind of want first. But it waits really long because it's irregular. So it really wants you to kind of adapt to this idea of regular verbs that follow predictable patterns, and then mm -hmm. it kind of smacks you in the head with a brick later and it's like okay there are all these super duper common verbs that you see constantly that are irregular and are just you know not what you would expect so then that can be a little bit challenging um i think for that i might so my husband who does latin tutoring he's actually taken one student um a one-on-one -on -one student that we started working with in 2020 uh we've been doing doing this for two years so there um he took him from chapter one of wheelocks all the way to the end and then for about a year now they've been reading virgil's aeneid uh which has just been really really fun to watch but yeah there was definitely i overheard some of those lessons when sam had to introduce okay now we have irregular verbs and then the poor student was like wait what Why? i will note i will note that wheelock is not typically used for middle school not from what i've seen wheelock is a little bit more geared towards older students and i think it works really well well you can i guess you can tell me if you ever experienced this it works really it sounds like for this student because this student has a one-on-one -on -one tutor and that means whatever may be challenging in wheelock the student has somebody always directly there to help and explain and there aren't other students muddying the waters yes yeah, I think Wheelocks can work really, really well one-on-one. Uh, -on -one. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's a little bit more challenging. Again, I think the my issue with how long it wait how long it waits to introduce certain things is probably heightened in the classroom mm -hmm. because you kind of expect everybody to get on a certain page about okay, this is how you know regular verbs, and you get used to being able to form all the parts, and then you get things like zoom or pharaoh and all these you know things that don't really follow the expected patterns so mm -hmm. you know but on the whole it's one of those like i said tried and true can't 
really go too far wrong with it. And uh, one of the things that it does that's kind of nice is it has kind of like made up Latin sentences in each chapter that are designed to exercise certain things, but then it also has, you know, sententiae antiquae, so it has real sentences that are minimally altered to... They, yeah, they can be tricky, but yeah. there are a lot of very doable ones, plus you can introduce a little bit of culture that way. My personal favorite thing about Wheelock, which sounds odd because it was a later edition, but I taught Wheelock um, some time ago. <laughs> How long ago was yeah, that? You, Goodness. Well, you use ESBs, is it? Yeah, 2018. I don't know. Something it's like been that. a while. And the best thing about Wheelock for me was the 30, 36, 38. Is it 38 Latin stories? Yeah. There's, a, there's an attached Latin story booklet yes. written by Anne Groton, who also wrote a Greek curriculum, a subject for another day. <laughs> well, that'll be a fun, fun episode. Yes. There'll be like three I'm people excited. that will be interested in that. Oh, no. <laughs> Don't say that. I'll be sad. All right. Wheelock, though. 36, 38. Why can't I remember? 30 some odd Latin stories by Anne Groton. And the stories are paired with the chapters in Wheelock so that they present the same vocabulary and the same level of grammar concepts that your students have reached in Wheelock. My students loved those Latin stories. They loved them. The, for the things that I couldn't get students to volunteer, I had to cold call them on other stif- stuff. But with the Latin stories, even the shyest, quietest students in my class would volunteer to read and take a crack at translating them. They just loved them. They had such a good time reading the stories. And it brought them alive. And the fact that these stories were paired with the chapters so that you didn't have to modify them and change vocabulary and paraphrase things was awesome. Yeah, I know. That's, that's great. I mean, again, so you really want to get into the flow of reading and translating mm-hmm. as much as And the as students you can. can, you can tell because that's what they're most excited about. They oh. feel there's a real sense of achievement I, at all ages that I've seen. There's a real sense of achievement when they read a real sentence and they're like, I'm actually reading another language and I'm understanding it. Yeah, that's a great feeling. Yeah, I even now, I mean, I've been doing this for, geez, 10 years yeah. now. And I still like when I'm, you know, reading something, reading, you know, whatever random thing I happen to be reading and just like getting into that flow of like reading it and not, and not even like having to translate it in my head anymore. And it's just, yeah, it's such a great feeling. Mm-hmm. I want... I want that for students. Yeah. And those Latin stories, they do a lot of that for the students because the sententiae antiquae, that's the quotes from primary sources in Latin. They're they're great, but the students don't get as much of a kick out of reading those one-off sentences as they do of reading a whole story where they get a narrative of start to finish of something that happened and they truly understood it. And when you can see the light come on when they read one sentence to the next and they're like, oh, I can see what's coming now. And then they read it or they read it and they understand the story and they see a twist and they get excited. So, yeah, it's solid. No, for, yeah, so that's... Yeah, for Wheelock, uh, it can be challenging if you have never taught Latin before to tackle a book like Wheelock. Yeah, you do kind of need to be um, more conversant in the Latin and more conversant kind of to to walk through it doesn't have the really nice teacher's guide that explains everything for you from the perspective of a teacher Mm -hmm. um which you know i i sat down with this book 
when I was in high school, roughly, I don't know, like 15 or something. And I, um, you know, I had to sit down and struggle with it and, you know, just kind of piece my way through it, look things up on the internet when I, you know, occasionally to kind of, you know, cause it doesn't like, it doesn't handhold you, you know, quite so well. So it does kind of assume that you have a teacher, but yeah, you know, that's fine. That said, other than Wheelock, which is again for this middle school, high school range, Wheelock is a little bit um, on the heavy end in terms of grammar translation and a little bit serious, which is why I think the stories really lighten it up. But there are, we have a set of three commonly used curricula for this age range that, let's see, Eke Romani and Oxford and Cambridge, all three of them have a narrative. They have a narrative that goes throughout with characters you get to know. Yeah. I think that's great for this age group, um, especially on the low end with middle scores. It's great to have them have characters they know and are familiar with and yeah. follow through a story. Yeah, no, definitely. No, it's been really fun watching uh, Sam's one student mm. um, kind of walk through this. And he's... A, He's he's a very kind of like math and science oriented student. Uh, and so and my husband, Sam, is very much into poetry. He loves Virgil. He loves language. He loves words. Mm -hmm. And it's been very fun just kind of watching those two personalities kind of work this out where Sam is explaining words and explaining, you know, why a sentence is beautiful. Uh, yeah, it's been really it's been really fun to watch. But yeah, they used Wheelock and it worked really well for them. And uh yeah, I, Wheelog is probably always going to be kind of my go-to, um, just kind of a familiarity thing, because it's what I grew up with, um, mm -hmm. but yeah, there are other, I mean, we should talk about Eke Romani, which, yes. um, that title means Behold the Romans, Seeing <laughs> the Romans, No, like the that. Romans. <laughs> um, that one's also very, very story-based, so I, apparently that's the one that Sam learned in high school, so his public school rather unusually offered a latin class they had it and they, they took the ap latin exam and they used eke romani so uh and you know and sam talks a lot about um, enjoying the story and enjoying and so it's very comprehensible input based so it just kind of immerses you and it doesn't hit you over the head with grammar too much <laughs> um so it might be a little bit too bewildering if you're not already a teacher uh, if you don't already know what you're doing. <laughs> um, a little boldness. I would say it is possible to approach, but yeah, it would be challenging. Both the CI approach. You have to kind of immerse yourself in it as much as the yeah. student. So you wouldn't be able to sit there and kind of like look at the, you know, explanatory notes. You kind of have to get into it too. But, you know, some parents do that and get a lot out of it as well. So it could be fun. Yeah, no, I think that one, that that could be a lot of fun. And then the last two I have listed here are ones you're going to find if you go Googling around, and we should address these. <laughs> um, there, There's the Oxford Latin course and then the Cambridge Latin course, which, if we're being honest, it should probably just be the Oxbridge Latin course because they're basically <laughs> the same thing. They're quite similar. Um, they, I, I don't know, it's... I'm not a huge fan of these, if you can already tell from, um, they're, they're fine, not, but yeah, they're not bad. They're just not, they don't, I don't know. Neither of us have been super inspired by them, I suppose. 
they don't feel like they know fully what they want to be. Like Eke Romani or Lingua Latina know that they are going for an immersive approach and they're okay with that and they go wholeheartedly into that. Um, the Oxbridge Latin course kind of does that, but it also tries to do a lot of explanatory stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, they're a little outdated, at least the ones I looked at are. Um, so they, they just don't feel as committed either way. So I would, at this point, given what we have, I would tend to avoid those when you see them. But again, like I said, if, you, if you're Googling around looking for curricula, you're going to find them. Um, they're quite common. Some of the schools that I interviewed with use them. So it's good to be familiar with them. If you're, well, if you're looking for employment in this field, or if you're adventuring around to find text to teach from, for whatever reason. Yeah. They, uh, I don't know, they, they both, I think one thing, especially with grammar translation, and both of these have a grammar translation element, it, books introduce grammar concepts in different ways and at different speeds and at different points. Yeah. And these two introduce the grammar in a strange way that I don't quite understand. Yeah. It puzzled me greatly. Um, they'll introduce cases for the nouns differently. I think I remember they didn't introduce what was it genitive? It took them a really long time yeah, to introduce that's or something. something that drives me a little bit crazy. Which this is not something you're gonna like if you're a Latin or you know language teacher in general. Because I've run across this in um, French and German as well. The, the way cases are introduced in a German has, you know, the nominative, genitive, dative, accusative cases, but the orders can be different. Yep. And with Latin, you tend to get nominative, genitive, dative, accusative, ablative in that order. But not everyone. But not everyone. Not Cambridge and Ox Oxford. Right. And I learned it in the order that I listed yep. just now, but then sometimes I'll come across something that doesn't use that order and I get really kind of upset. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I'm too used to it. When Not I taught supposed to be. when I taught the third grade Latin students, we had a mnemonic to remember the cases mm -hmm. and, and nominative, genitive, dative, accusative, ablative. And we said, no good dad attacks apples. <laughs> And the kids loved it. I got all these pictures because they were really into drawing stuff. I got all these pictures of dads like going to battle against buckets of apples. Oh, that's great. And it was hilarious. <laughs> I had a kid who like wanted to make a shirt that had an apple and a big X over it and come in with that. Nice. There was an anti-apple movement. It was very <laughs> funny. So mnemonics are fantastic. If you're going to do grammar translation, yeah, you need mnemonics. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, yeah. I think that kind of covers what we have here for our sort of middle school age group. Now we'll move into high school slash college, which I, I would have to say that of the, we've got a few, but learn to read Latin. I'm not even sure I would give that to high school students. It's pretty intense. Yeah, that one is really, really intense. I actually jumped into this one at the very end of high school because uh, it it's the textbook of choice at my alma mater. And once I learned that, I figured I would get it and I would use it. Did you already mention what your alma mater was? I'm not sure you have. Uh, I went to Hillsdale College, uh, which has a very 
uh, very well-regarded classics program. And I knew that I wanted to go there and study classics. And I also really didn't want to take any of the intro classes because I wanted to start reading texts as quickly as possible in Latin and Greek. So I sat down with the textbooks that they used over the summer before starting my freshman year and I drilled them out. It did work. In case uh, you thought we were joking about being nerds. I know. I, yeah, I am not. <laughs> yeah, I'm not joking. I, I went hard in the paint for that. Um, so some of us do in yeah. our summers. Well, I was motivated <laughs> and I really wanted to be able to read Cicero. And, you know, I didn't want to have to spend a ton of time like learning grammar that I kind of already knew, you know, and sort of having to redo all this work that I had already done. Because even before I knew that was where I wanted to go to college, I knew, you know, that I liked reading Latin. I liked, you know, learning Greek. Um, so, you know, I didn't want to have to kind of redo all of that. So, so learn to read Latin. What you're saying is it's a good independent study book if yes, you're dedicated. If you are, if you are the super motivated, I, I really like it. And actually, I think one of my favorite things about it is it has um lots of quote unquote real latin so it's taken from actual latin texts and it's you know they try very hard uh, especially the further you get into the books and they don't alter it at all uh, and for me as a almost college student that was really appealing because i really wanted to feel like i was reading the real stuff mm -hmm. you know, and i wasn't just reading stuff that was watered down so you know and they increase in length as you go through the book um and it also introduced a lot it introduces a lot of stuff in each chapter so there are lots of concepts um so it can feel really really overwhelming um and you know in in college you might spend several weeks on just one chapter kind of addressing you know all the different concepts and it, it has a humongous workbook yeah uh, so yeah there's you know tons of tons of that kind of stuff that you can do with it um, I focused on reading as much of the real Latin passages as I could. I didn't really deal with the text or the workbook too much. Um, so yeah, I, that one is easily of all the things that we have listed. That is the most intense. Yeah. Um, so if you're the I don't type think of person that wants to do that, go for it. It's just, I don't think either of us did Shelmerdine. Did yeah, you? I didn't do Shelmerdine. I hadn't heard of it until probably three or four years ago when I was in grad school. I have. Yeah, I know that Shelmerdine has. Shelmerdine does try to focus on the quote unquote real Latin, having some real Latin in the lessons early on. It's a relatively fast, relatively fast paced book. But from what I've seen, it has a pretty pleasant layout, pleasant aesthetic. And they do have short stories at the end of lessons, so you get a chance to experience reading and understanding a narrative, which I think is really valuable. Yeah, it doesn't have it doesn't have illustrations or anything like that. So it's it's kind of it's very grammar translation focused, if I remember correctly. But it does try to get you into reading narrative fairly early on with those short stories, which is, I think, a point in its favor for sure. Yeah, which I think I, I did look yeah. at it. I think 
a little bit and I, I think I wrote the notes here and I, I put in quotes methodical approach. Yeah. So it's, it's structured. Much, yeah, it's much more structured, kind of like hold your hand through it. Mm -hmm. So that one might be. It's definitely good for an older age if you're working with somebody on that. It's it's good for an older age, I think. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's kind of the thing. It's like at the end of the day, there's you know, a lot of these different textbooks meet different needs because mm -hmm. Yeah, there are people out there that like, I mean, like, learn to read Latin, it really, it, mm -hmm. it gives you the impression, at least, that it's giving you everything you need to know, even if it feels really overwhelming. Yep. And that can definitely be really appealing, rather than, you know, working through a book like Wheelocks, where you kind of have to take it on faith that you're going to get to certain things later, and it might not tell you up front right away all of this stuff so yeah you know there's there's you know it, that might appeal to people uh, outside of these textbooks though this this one i don't know how familiar you are with it i actually learned from some of the religious textbooks even though i did yeah, not go to private catholic next, high school yeah my next point here is the uh, religious uses of latin so we might mention here the like you know roman catholic textbooks. yeah i learned from a lot of we talked a little bit about where we're going to talk about Memoria Press, and I actually used several books from Memoria Press when I was learning as a as a young and a little one. We used what was it? Oh, what were those books called? Um, Latina Christiana, that one. Yes, yes, we used that one. It came with. I learned a lot of religious songs in Latin, and I early on learned to recite. Um, Ave Maria and Pater Noster, the um, Lord's Prayer in Latin. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like right now, kind of, if that's so, well, actually, what I didn't mention about Latin for Children earlier is it has, um, it actually does, it has like a dual thing with classical pronunciation and ecclesiastical pronunciation. Mm, so it can be integrated into if you're using Latin as a part of like religious education, that will give you that option. Um, so you know the Latin for children by um, classical academic will do that. But then there are the kind of specific like Roman Catholic ones, the so Latina Christiana, which you mentioned. Mm -hmm. That one is published by Memoria Press. I don't have a date on that one. Um, I don't recall. Older one is like Henley is one. Yep, that's the one I used too. Yeah, I don't have a. I'm not sure why, because I wasn't raised Catholic. I swear, I it sounds like either. I was. It really does. I wasn't either. Although my dad had a Vulgate lying around, so when oh. I kind of learned enough grammar to muddle my way through things, I was reading a lot of the Vulgate just because it was there. So and that, I, by the way, I think we've talked a little about this. Is that actually? is where you can find some ancient Latin works that are untranslated is in religious texts. Yes, there is a lot of stuff. There's a lot of medieval and Renaissance texts written in Latin that have not yet been translated. So if you are adventurous if in the ecclesiastical like Latin, there is a window of opportunity for you. And what's nice too about that area of Latin is it's not as difficult because some of the grammar became less complex let's just say like there there is definitely i've read some things where i was reading through it and i kind of 
wondered if they had forgotten how the subjunctive worked <laughs> and because they would occasionally kind of like sprinkle them in there and they would you know something something would go off in my head where i'm like that's not quite right uh you know and i come to realize yeah a lot of things have been kind of watered down so in a sense it's easier latin than translating somebody like cicero or virgil or whatever it probably also progressed a little towards what we're used to over time yes. because english has a great inheritance from latin yeah the word order actually feels the word order of kind of late latin feels a lot more like english word order so that is that actually does make it easier to read you know and a lot of the loan words you know, it, it, you can actually read quite a lot of it without even knowing any Latin just because there's so many borrowed words. So, yes, so that's a, that's a, I wouldn't say a blitz overview because we didn't go super fast, but that's a general overview of a lot of the major texts that you can use from K through 12 sort of young, please don't mind my Alexa interrupting the lesson. Um, the Alexa, please stop. <laughs> That's a general overview of some of the major textbooks that you can use from what would you say, young children, grade school through through high school, school upper, college, upper school, high school. Yeah, college. I doubt that anybody listening to us is likely to be selecting college textbook but i welcome that too well no i mean i i added that because i you know if you were an adult learner that is kind of yeah. looking for a textbook that kind of fits your learning style and you know you're kind of looking for something that's more quote-unquote college level whatever that means or not mm -hmm. um but yeah, it's, yeah adult learners yeah yeah because I've, I've known a number of adult learners uh, and kind of dealt with a lot of different learning styles when it comes to uh, I've primarily done uh, New Testament Greek in that context. So that's yes. a whole other. We will talk about Greek one day. I hope maybe some of our listeners would be at least curious about it. Yeah, no, there's there's a lot there, and it's growing. But yeah, so I, and I also my one of my rules of thumb with this is I went googling around a lot, and I tried to pick out everything that you're going to find on an initial google search and kind of filter it out from there so i suppose i could tack on here to the end too that you might find in a google search latin for the new millennium oh yeah that is one that works well for high school i think would be a good cutoff i guess you could use it for middle school i would say it's better for high school and up uh that one has stories some some Reviews have suggested that it is too fast paced, but I know a couple teachers who love Latin for the new millennium and swear by it. And then the other one, which I mentioned earlier in this episode is Subarani, which by the way is actually one of, since we just mentioned some of these are very old, Subarani is quite new. I believe it came out in 2020, actually. Oh, wow. I'm not totally sure about that. I'll have to check. It's quite new and there's a very new version of it and it's on there's online components and it's growing in popularity from what I've seen. I have not myself used it, but it's got one of those narratives that runs throughout. It's got a pretty fun narrative from what I've heard. And it's got a lot of games and integrated elements that the teacher can use. And I think 
I think it requires a subscription for the online element, but should you choose to use that, it's quite well guided from what I've seen. It does a good job of supporting the teacher through the steps you need to take to make this accessible for your students and for yourself. So I've, I've heard good things about it, but this is just me speaking on what I've heard about it because I don't have a copy of it. Right. No, I mean, I'm starting to become increasingly more of a fan of things that have digital resources yes. because there are a lot of people that want to do Latin in various capacities, but don't feel qualified. And I don't want people to feel like that. No. There are lots of things out there that will kind of handhold you through the process. So, you know, there, no there one should yes. feel afraid to jump into it either on their own or in their homeschool, or if you're just starting out with an, like a new classroom, you're maybe not super experienced. Um, there's, there are options. It's, it's great. Like the last 20, 30 years have actually been fantastic for new Latin textbooks. So yeah. we're here in hope that we can make that accessible. Yes. Cause I haven't Let you seen know your too options. much. Like there are some websites that you can find they're a little bit difficult to find that kind of condense it all down for you but um not a ton and they're like i said they're a little difficult to find so i think the the main use of this is we're kind of condensing everything into one place yes you know and and speaking from a place of experience so mm -hmm. yeah that is yes that too like that we've taught a... we've taught from several of these or learned from them or tutored from them uh, many of these we've had experience with. Even Oxford and Cambridge, which I'm not a huge fan of, I have done brief tutoring or lessons from them. Yeah. So, yeah, the, um, well, did we even, we didn't even talk about the uh, very odd illustrations. <laughs> we did the, not. Yeah, uh, the, uh, especially the Oxford Latin course. I, uh, was it Oxford? Was... Oh, yeah. Oxford's the one with the very strange illustrations. Yeah, which, you know, you can go look it up for yourself. <laughs> very interesting. Uh, and so. especially if you're teaching, as I can speak from experience, if you're teaching middle school, funny yeah. illustrations will lead to endless giggling. Yeah, and, and you don't always want to have to explain everything, so... Why does right. this person look like that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have to say that I'm, I have mixed feelings, but I laugh a lot at the questions I get. No, that's good. I mean, that's a great age. I try not things. to laugh because they do plenty of giggling without me. So uh, yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> All right. Well, that is our episode. I don't actually know how long it's been, but um, that is what we have on the topic of Latin curricula. So part one. Yeah, there will probably <laughs> never be, fear. There we will, will talk more. be further developments on this, especially you know, if new things come out. Um, but yeah, stay tuned. We will continue to explore various aspects of Latin learning, Latin teaching. And also, we welcome questions. If you would like to reach out through the website, you have contact information there. Yep. If you'd like to reach out and ask specific questions about a curriculum that you're interested in teaching or that you are currently teaching and having little roadblocks or bumps that you've run into, we're happy to yes, we hear are. from we're you and realize. provide information, potentially expand on ideas for episodes or respond to you via email. Yes, definitely. All right. Thanks for listening. Wale. 
Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please be sure to subscribe for future episodes. For more information, you can visit our website, museoneducation.com. That's spelled M-U-S-E-I-O-N, education.com. Also linked in the show notes. We wish you a happy language learning journey.